This episode is sponsored by Podgo. We use Podgo to monetize all of our podcasts and get paid within 24 hours. So if you're a podcast, want to get paid, be sure to check out Podgo. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. That's Podgo dot C-O. And be sure to enter our name in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. See you guys in the episode. It's the language of the universe. But I don't understand it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we welcome you back to episode number 79, where today we are going to be talking about waves. Waves. What waves? Waves are everywhere. No, waves are literally yeah. everywhere. As we've learned recently in, in modern physics, mm-hmm. that everything is pretty much just a wave. And so there's a lot to talk about here. More than just, you know, matter waves of, you know what I mean? Like quantum mechanics. Mm-hmm. There are like classical type of types of waves that we're going to talk about. Um, and uh, they're all super, super interesting. Just just di- different types of waves, different properties of waves, just about episode about waves, you know, because I mean, you're right. Everything is waving around us, if you think about it. And especially with the whole particle duality thing, at the end of the day, you can think of everything as a wave. So exactly. it definitely helps a little bit. And we're so definitely we going to get into uh, the wave function, oh. which, you know, I'm currently taking the third year quantum mechanics. So that's the f- actual quantum mechanics yeah, one. Yeah, it's the actual. Yeah. What we took last Second. year was intro I think in every university, second year quantum mechanics starts introduction. There's there's not a single second year quantum mechanics course. It's all intro. And then third is and fourth is obviously when you specialize. Quantum mechanics one is what it's called. That's cool, man. No, I'm very very excited. That's that's definitely going to be a cool course. You're going to take it. I'm going to take it next year. So I'm very excited as well. But anyways, let's let's, let's not talk about that. But we are going to be getting into that in today's episode just a little bit, maybe. Obviously focusing more on the wave stuff, but uh, getting into all of it equally. Mm-hmm. Before this episode starts, yeah. as we do every single week, we have a little bit of news for you guys, a little bit of comment of the week. Oh, and uh, after that, we will get right into the episode. So, to everybody who's listening right now, we well, it's not really a milestone, but like 14.5 thousand. Followers on Spotify. Thank okay, you we're very almost much, at the, everybody. We're almost at 15. Are we at... We're at 20 total right now, right? No. No? Almost. We're almost at 20 almost. total. Uh, Counting YouTube and everything? No. Still not yet, 20. Not okay. yet. Not yet. Not yet. Close. Close. Mm-hmm. 20 will be still a very, very crazy milestone. For sure. You know, for followers, it's definitely nice. So thank you for everyone who continues to follow. If you are listening to this on Spotify, go give us a follow. There's no like on also, Spotify, right? No, there's no, not. No. But also follow us everywhere else if you're listening to this. Google, yeah. uh, Apple. Uh, I don't even. I don't Why even not? know where else. I know we're on a uh, on a bunch. We're on of a bunch platforms. of platforms. Yeah. So whichever platform you're listening to this on, why not just give it a follow? And if you're on YouTube, or if you're not on YouTube, come on YouTube, go give this a quick look because. But a bing, but a boom. The videos are always uh, something that we like. So moving on to the comment of the week. Actually, 
one second. Oh, we forgot all done. of the news. There were the news wasn't I even wasn't done. Done. I'm, I got very excited there for you guys. I'm sorry. Um, in terms of downloads, we're actually every single month since. Well, there was one month that was a little bit off, but every single month since we started, we have been getting more and more downloads every month, and so now, you know, we're just we're we're just hoping to keep that trend going. And uh, yeah, this month we're like, or last month we were at like 32,000 in the month, which is more than 1,000 downloads a day. So that's pretty cool. And that was on last average. month. And that was on last average. month too. Yeah. So total downloads, we're at 232,000 downloads. Yeah, we're so close. Million. We're so close. We're so close. Oh my, that's going to be a very, very, very crazy milestone. Again, thank you for everyone that continues to download our episodes everywhere. All we do is we just sit here in our in our living room and talk and uh, you guys listen. So mm-hmm. thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Now, now I think we can go on to the comment of the week. Mm-hmm. Now, we did actually have quite a few comments this week, which I always appreciate. And uh, they were all wonderful. But I just had to do one from the emails. This It just had to be the email. So listen to this comment real quick. Now, I cannot properly pronounce that name. It's probably Stazek, if anything. I don't know. But someone sent us an email. Stazek, if you are listening, let me know if this is the correct pronunciation. And he's basically a 15-year-old that started to listen to our podcast on Spotify. And he's basically just saying that he's on this episode and he just wants to say that we're doing a great job. And he's just talking about that he's really interested in physics, especially connected with astronomy and finds our podcast really interesting. Mm. And maybe someday I'll go to U of T too. Inspired by us. Hopefully, I think that was his intention. So thank you so much to Zach for that wonderful comment. I mean, 15, that is... Very young. Like, that is beautiful. Like, that's wonderful. I, I mean, I didn't know what a podcast was until two years ago. So the fact that a 15-year-old That's is... even yeah, more surprising. No, that, <laughs> okay, yeah, I wasn't really in anyways, But <laughs> the 15-year-old being so interested in math and physics, you know, taking this clearly, I mean, an hour a week of your time, especially at 15, just to take it out, to listen to a podcast is not normal. Especially like one I, about physics. I feel like you have time when you're 15. Yeah, but <laughs> who listens to it? Like, a sci- like if you're listening to a science podcast, yeah, yeah. you really have that passion. So, Stazek, thank you so much for that email. You know, wonderful passion on your side, too. And we're going to continue doing what we love to do. Awesome. All right. Boom. Let's get into now it. Now, let's get into waves. I think the, the first thing that we can talk about is what is a wave? Well, you know, the, the first thing that I think about is a sine wave. When, you th- when, 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 you I, when I think wave? about waves in general, because... A sine wave, or mm. like, we're not gonna get into like like superpositions of waves. Like, if you just think about like a simple wave that has um, a mm. wavelength and a period and all that stuff, a, a sine wave can describe any kind of wave. Mm-hmm. If you know, it, I mean, there in are, essence, there are more complicated yeah. waves, but those are just. You're just adding sine waves on top of sine waves to make those mm-hmm. more complicated waves. But mm-hmm. if we're talking about uh, like waves in the water, you know, mm-hmm. sine wave, all that. All I that mean, all stuff. of them can be. Yeah. I mean, when we because now what we're basically talking about is extrapolating the mathematics 
behind what we have is the physics. So the so like or not the physics, but like the real world. So we're we're seeing something, and especially with physics, we have this handy thing called or not called, but basically just um, equations of motion. And with all waves, there's some there's an associated wave equation. And this is simply a fundamental property of any wave. And if it's a sine wave, it's literally just sine x, right? Because it's just, that's just, that's the wave. So the whole point of this is using the mathematics behind all, like, you know, behind sine, behind trig trigonometry, we can apply these to the real world and extrapolate data about them through these waves. So what you, what you were talking about a second ago is something that we also did speak about in the history of physics episode a Fourier transform or like a Fourier not transform well not a Fourier transform series. Fourier series is basically what you described by adding up the different separate sine waves because cosine waves are basically sine waves so you're basically just adding multiple sine waves and you're just well you just get a very complicated wave you can shift some of them and you can mm. get something else did you know I recently actually like really understood for the first time what a Fourier transform was because the quantum again it's very no not because oh. well technically I should I should have um like there were yeah. notes that I had to I didn't read them though but <laughs> no I'm talking about like maybe like during the summer mm -hmm. I I like looked up Fourier transforms and I actually like understood what it was very interesting if you're if you're in like or let's say going into university math Maybe let's not say first year. That's a little bit too complicated. But yeah, it, if you like to look ahead, I definitely recommend going looking at Fourier series and then Fourier transforms. Very interesting. Very interesting. Very no, I mean Fourier, and they, and they are again the building blocks to how we get our waves. Because if you think about it, now waves can be so many things. Like we think about them as light waves, sound waves, but there are so many different types of just waves when you're talking about it in general. Mm. We just we just have said okay like like these commonalities are what we see. So even even when we extrapolate this using the using Fourier series and stuff like that to make a more complicated wave, all that's really doing is just again getting us a better understanding of the properties of that wave. How does this wave move? Number 1 with position, number 2 with time. That will be your two-dimensional wave. Right? So there are a lot of advantages to using all of these um, extra principles just to get a better understanding of our wave, right? And every wave, just fundamentally speaking, a physical wave at least that we see in nature has all of them have two separate fields. All of them have two separate fields that is basically oscillating back and forth. Now, the whole, and then the whole thing about a wave, like why is it really called a wave is because the idea is that, well, it's waving back and forth from a point of, okay, I mean, I don't want to use, okay, sure, an equilibrium point, right? So there is yeah. some middle ground and the wave or most would just, would just oscillate back and forth between them. But what do you mean by two mediums, like you said? Everywhere? So everything requires two mediums. Now, the fundamental light will require electro and magnetism, right? Okay. And they require two fields to propagate. The same way with sound, it requires strain and stress, which are two different properties of the air that basically allow sound to propagate through it. And all other physical waves that we see in, well, nature, anything real, again, mathematical is obviously different. Mm -hmm. I'm saying anything physical that we can actually see in the real world, sound, light, obviously the biggest ones, 
you can assign these fields to it. So in like more complicated and more advanced, you know, mathematics and field equations and and uh, and uh, and physics, we can actually maybe deduce these fields part of all of these equations and actually understand not only how the space around it is moving, but how the individual fields are moving. Oh, right. And 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 that's and that and that's an advantage of getting of this relationship between these two fields that have to be present for a physical wave to occur. Mm. Right. And because both of them are basically pulling, pushing back and forth is how the wave is able to propagate. And this is through with electromagnetism and also through through sound. Right. But the I was going to I don't actually know this 100 like for 100 well, percent. I mean, let's say I'm no, I'm saying like we, the electromagnetic uh, fields mm, that mm. oscillate, they don't like push and pull each other. You know what I they're, mean? They're they're like perpendicular. They're, they're oscillating they're perpendicular. Perpendicular, exactly. they're perpendicular, but they require what I'm trying to say is for the wave to exist. There is a requirement of two physical of two fields is what is what a requirement is for a wave to exist. All right. Right. And these two fields basically prov uh, or allow it to propagate through space time. Right. And or I mean, in any situation in sound waves, we can talk about, well, not well, it would still be space time. But you know what I mean? Like it would be probably air and stuff because that requires a medium to propagate. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe we can now get into a little bit of I don't know if this is a little too base. Maybe we can get into a little bit of just just sound in general, because I know sound yeah. is like the most it's the most common wave. You know, when, when you think of a wave. Again, when you, when you hear wave, a big thing that you think about is sound waves. Sound waves. So when you hear a sound wave, think about how insane. We were talking about this the other day, about how crazy sound waves were. So essentially, you're hearing a noise. And to, to, to your brain, that's just like you, you hear a noise and you're like, okay, whatever. But what's actually happening? Let's think about this. Mm -hmm. You're... Um, eardrum is vibrating back and forth and what's making it vibrate well it's the sound wave well what is the sound wave so a sound wave is just through the air the air molecules are going back and forth because the the source of the sound uh, creates high pressure and low pressure mm -hmm uh areas in in the air yeah and so the high pressure and low pressure uh areas is what pushes back and forth the air molecules and that propagates through the air and then reaches your eardrum and um your eardrum literally vibrates to the tune of mm -hmm. the high and low pressure I'm making a, a, a movement with my hand mm -hmm. if you're listening <laughs> on Spotify or whatever. But your eardrums are going back and forth at the same exact rate that the air is vibrating. And your brain, in turn, uh, translates that into a noise. Now, it, it is a lot more intricate mm -hmm. than just that because um, you wanted to talk about like what makes a sound sound different mm, yeah th that 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 in a second but i wanted to continue on your whole discussion about how it vibrates and then your ear vibrates at that and yeah. that is in the essence of it the fundamental reason why sound exists and that's vibrations right so everything in the world vibrates 
we are vibrating right now. We're giving off infrared radiation that would not be sound. But very true. Everything in the world has a natural frequency. This is your lowest resonant frequency, and we can maybe get into it in a second. But everything has a natural frequency, the frequency at which it vibrates. Now, if you happen to disturb this body, now when I say disturb, it's like you can hit it, you can pluck it for a string. I mean, very many things. I'm just thinking about, well, and anything if you're just hitting something, right? That's the easiest way to think about it. If you disturb it, what's actually happening is for a sound to occur, you're first hitting it at that lowest resonant frequency. So you're vibrating it at the, at the, at the speed that it itself vibrates and it creates a sound. Because what's again happening is lower vibrations would not register in your ear, but higher vibrations would basically cause the molecules in whatever you're hitting again, to vibrate with that same sound. So the moment you hit it, the vibration in the air around it is actually what's causing the sound. Because the when something is stationary, again, nothing is not, no sound is being created. But when it's hit or something like that, there are pressure columns, as you were talking about, in air that get sucked in and sucked out. This is compression and rarefaction columns. Yep. So compression columns are... Uh, Dense air columns, rarefaction columns are well less dense air columns. And this less dense, more dense, mm -hmm. because these uh, molecules from the item itself are vibrating, it vibrates this pressure. This pressure is now moving back and forth yeah, but at it, the same speed of the vibration. But, but here's why, though. If you think about it, imagine you have, like, this is just like pressure in general. Mm. If you have a high-pressure area, like let's say the inside of a balloon, and then you let go or you, you open a hole, the high pressure air is going to move towards mm. the low pressure air. So oh, what, nice. what actually makes the sound travel through the air is that, okay, you have a high pressure, low pressure, high pressure, low pressure, and the air is constantly moving from high pressure to low pressure, but as the air moves, it leaves behind a low pressure area. Mm -hmm. And so it moves back and then forth and back and mm -hmm. forth. And that's what creates the vibration. And then, you know, of course, the air molecules are touching each other. And so if one moves or if like one column mm -hmm. moves, then it pushes the rest of it. And that's what causes sound to just go <laughs> across the air. And that is why when you just hold, for example, a string and you just like just hit it and you, even if you hold it tight and you just hit it, probably you won't hear anything loud. Do the same thing on a guitar. It's a whole, it's a whole sound. And again, the reason this is happening is simply because more things are vibrating. So there's that whole, um, I don't know, what's it called? I don't know what it's called, but like the. You know, like like the wooden part of the acoustic guitar. You the know what body. I mean? The body. Like, I guess yeah, the body of the guitar. So the moment the string is plucked, I'm, I'm again, I'm just thinking of a guitar as an easy example. When you have a string, just nothing there with it, just air around it, and you pluck it, the air around it, there's just a little bit of that that's vibrating. That then gives you a little bit of sound. Maybe you hear that tick tick. You know what I mean when you you know stretch a string and you try to hit it. But then in a guitar, the same vibrations is now sent through the whole body of the guitar. 
So this is actually also a thing of resonance. This is where resonance comes from. What happens is the body of the guitar vibrates at the frequency of the string. Wherever you are playing the particular string, the body is now vibrating at that frequency. And because the whole body with the air around it is now vibrating at that frequency, you hear it a lot louder. It amplifies the or amplifies is the easiest way to think about it because the, literally what happens in the wave is the amplitude increases. Nothing else changes, obviously, because the pitch and everything is the same, but the amplitude increases. So they're all, and, and it's the same thing even with, with like a tuning fork and you put it in a, in a, in like a box and it just all of a sudden, whoa, you just hear this crazy loud noise. It's all again about how many things are vibrating and how these vibrations are sent through to other objects. A, a, a simple or another example of this would be, and this is quite common, you know, when you, uh, I, I don't know, is this a common physics experiment? You know, when like you have like the, or I'm not, okay, I'm just going to say it like the two tuning forks, for example, or something like that, like two things together and you ring one of them. And then after a second, you stop ringing one of them and the other one starts ringing. And that's. And that's basically resonance for you. Well, it's not that it starts ringing. Well, I mean, no, that's what I'm trying to say, right? So that that was the point that I was trying to make. So what's actually happening is because they're they both have the same natural frequency because they're the same object. When one starts vibrating and making a sound, so does the other, Mm -hmm. because they have the same natural frequency, and they start hitting, and that that one starts vibrating too, and boom, it's magic. But no, it's just physics. And now is a beautiful time to actually mention or introduce uh, frequency and wavelength, okay? Properties of a wave. So it's a good time. As the object is vibrating back and forth, the amount of times that it vibrates back and forth in one second is the frequency. And that actually comes in units of hertz, mm-hmm. one over seconds, okay? So everybody's heard of hertz before you know oh this this note is twenty thousand hertz or whatever Ooh, that's, that's that's very high My, that's very literally high. the limit of human no, that hearing. is that is the limit <laughs> <laughs> relax yeah. but now um, you know what that means when you mm-hmm. hear something that has a certain amount of hertz it's because it's literally moving back and forth and mm-hmm. it's causing your eardrum to move at that same frequency at you know twenty thousand times per second okay mm-hmm. now now imagine this okay i make a noise and it produces these high and low pressure columns that are moving at the speed of sound which is 344 i thought it was 344 something like that that. the thing about sound is that it the speed of sound actually changes based on the medium okay Mm. so it's different in water or metal still works in metal but we're not going to get into that right now. What I'm trying to say I mean, is that yeah. is that the speed of sound in air is relatively constant. Mm-hmm. Let's say does it ch- it changes with temperature, right? Of course. Yeah. Anyways, we're g- we're gonna pretend like it's constant for now because we're in uh, you know ideal conditions. And um, now, let's say I produce a noise, and we take a snapshot in time of the high and low pressure columns. Okay. Based on the frequency, you can deduce, you know, like how many of those columns would be in between Ray and I. Now, what would happen 
if Rayhan's ear is moving towards the noise that I'm making? Well, his eardrum would literally be experiencing those columns faster than they were moving towards him if he were to be still, right? Like imagine there's a bunch of waves on the ocean. You could either be standing still in the waves or if you're on a jet ski, you're going to be experiencing those waves at a faster rate. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that translate to when we talk about sound? Well, I just mentioned two seconds ago that the rate at which something is vibrating is the frequency, mm -hmm. right? And lower frequency is lower pitch noises and higher, <laughs> higher frequency, higher pitch noises, mm -hmm. okay? Now, I am producing a noise. Rayhan's eardrum is coming towards that noise. And so it's the jet ski going through the waves, experiencing them faster, all of a sudden, his ear is experiencing a faster frequency than what was originally exiting my mouth. Mm -hmm. Now, what does he hear? He hears a higher pitch noise. Mm -hmm. Now, think about this. When you're on the side of the road and an ambulance is coming your way, that ambulance is... The, the speed of the ambulance is adding to the speed of the sound that is coming your way. So the 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 waves are getting uh, pushed closer together. And when they hit your ear, they sound like they're going faster than they actually are. Now, when the ambulance passes by, it is moving away from you. The source, or I guess it's, I guess it's it all relative. It, no, it is no, no, I, it is a source, but it doesn't matter. The ambulance could be standing still and I oh, could be going the other mean. way. Yes, of course. It doesn't yes, matter. If the, only if thing the that, ambulance is moving away from you or you are moving yeah. away from it. Is the what the only thing that matters is that, uh, you know, there's separation happening, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Now, all of a sudden, I'm going the other way. And now my ear is hearing the, the noise, but at a slower pace. And what you hear is, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> it goes high and then low. That's what you're hearing. Yeah. And that is the Doppler effect. That is the Doppler that effect. That is the Doppler effect. So probably by a guy named, I mean, it is obviously. No, I just, 100%. I just, I just forgot the, for the guy's first name. But uh, obviously crazy. But what it actually shows is that nothing fundamental is actually changing about the wave. Except for the one fact, or except, except basically for frequency. So the speed is staying the same which is interesting, which is a very nice thing that you brought up, but the frequency is changing. Also tells us something about the relationship between the frequency and the speed. Like how is this, how is, how is somehow the frequency or the pitch getting louder, but the speed somehow not increasing or decreasing? Well, that's simply the equation of speed, right? That's simply how frequency, speed, and a property of wavelength are all related to each other. And it's quite intuitive to see that if you were to increase the frequency, as in, how do you, I mean, again, I'm just thinking of someone who hasn't heard of frequency before. Like if you draw one whole wave in a certain interval, now draw three, that's increasing the frequency. It's just intuitive <laughs> that the spaces between the waves get smaller yeah. too. It's yeah. just intuitive, right? You can almost see it in your head. So when one goes up, the other comes down to keep that constant yeah and uh also quick fun fact when you see like an airplane going faster than the speed of sound and you have the 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 sonic boom 
that's literally because um the the airplane is creating a noise a loud noise it's vibrating the air around it Mm -hmm. and it's creating these high and low pressure columns everywhere around it but what happens is that the faster the airplane travels the closer together he's squishing those columns right as we just talked about Mm -hmm. the doppler effect but what happens when the columns get squished so close together that it's infinite that it's it's pretty much like negative like it it reverses you know what i mean like the noise gets produced after the mm-hmm. event happens mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there is a barrier there right of course because you go from sending waves forward to compressing them and then sending waves backwards and that is where the boom happens mm-hmm. because you have to literally squish those high and low pressure waves to essentially zero yeah i mean you're basically causing like instantaneous thunder at all seconds because because thunder i mean i don't know where okay this just came into my head but thunder is literally just a rip of pressure regions like what actually happens is uh in in the clouds, especially when it's when it's about to rain, when it's about to go crazy, there are regions in the sky that have severe high pressure and severe low pressure, which basically causes the the clap that we hear. It obviously oh. starts with the lightning, which which then causes the thunder. But I mean that's another story. But at the end of the day, what's actually happening is this high and low pressure is simply. There's simply a difference between that. So when you're reaching these speeds, remember, as you you were just saying, the air around you is also traveling at the speed that you are or is vibrating at the speed that you are. So when an airplane is flying through the sky at, you know, sub, sub, subsonic speeds, the air around it is still traveling at those speeds. Now push it to supersonic the moment like you touch Mach 1, right? you have the air around you literally traveling at the speed of sound. So we have sound being made, as you mentioned, by the aircraft itself. But the sound is not fast enough to leave the aircraft because the aircraft is now faster than the sound, which is why it's always an intense uh, intense loudness heard everywhere else. And actually, I mean, this this was this is a famous thing. I think we've spoken about the Concorde before. We've never spoken about never it. Never spoken about the Concorde before? Well, the Concorde, definitely search it up if you haven't heard of the name. The Concorde was a very, very famous, very expensive uh, flight that traveled supersonic speeds. I believe it went to Mach 2, actually. I don't and know. And it, it, went, it went pretty fast. It but was too loud. <laughs> yeah, that was... It was the, way the too loud. The problem is when it was close to residential areas, you have to understand that even though it is trying to maybe slow down, even when you're Mach 1 or anything higher, remember the air is again, if you're hearing something, that means the vibrations from there have reached you. So in the same way, if you're hearing the boom, so are your windows Wait, that's... And, your, and your house. So what I'm trying to say is the problem with the Concorde for a very long amount of time is that when it actually used to come in some residential places is to just break windows. Yeah, the windows would break. Used to just, and again, yeah. windows break. Why would they break when you surpass their that natural frequency? 
when it can no longer vibrate without breaking the structural integrity that we call glass. Because glass is an amorphous solid, so it's a really weird solid, the way it's made anyways. So when it vibrates at this, or higher than the specific frequency, that's why opera singers can so, it's not like for an opera singer to break a glass, I don't think it's a crazy thing, because a lot of them should be able to do it. Because the whole point is you can be able to control your pitch. So if you exceed a certain pitch, no, you the, should just... The reason why it's impressive is because you have to increase the intensity. Intensity <laughs> as well, of course. The amplitude is what is actually more yeah. important. You're very right in that. The amplitude of that wave is actually very well, the, important. Well, the frequency has to be exact. Yes, of course. But the frequency the hard, I think the hard part is actually... The, a the amplitude has to be very, well, it has to be exact or higher, but the amplitude has to be, has to also be great because it actually has to literally well, no, knock it, it out. It can't be higher. It has to be the exact same frequency. Oh, because then it'll vibrate and break. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. If it's a different frequency, frequency, it won't you're right. be. No, yeah. you're right. You're right. Because then it'll vibrate at resonant frequency, which will then just yeah. cause it to break. And well, I mean, interestingly enough, a similar thing with glass that I just thought of right now is that, is that water thing. That's a, it's a little different. Yeah. You know, when you take water and like yeah. you rub it around a glass and you hear that, like that, that, that beautiful, okay, that was not yeah. beautiful, I know, but you know what I mean? I mean, if someone's done it at home, maybe. Yeah. But again, that is, okay, that's a little different though. That's actually a little different. It's happening because of a little different process. Isn't it the friction making yeah, your finger? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's basically the water, so it's basically the friction between the, it, it, it's called a slick and, no. It's called a stick and slip or, or the slip and stick, something like that, which is basically uh, the, the type of wave or, or, or the type of sound created. And the way that it's caused is basically because of the water between your finger and the glass. That, when you get the right thing, that starts to vibrate at the glass's natural frequency, which then makes the top of the glass vibrate oh. at that frequency, which then causes a sound. That's cool. So it's really cool. And I mean, anyone can do this at home. You just like dip your finger in water and try to go around the glass at a certain pace. You'll, you'll find the pace. And when you do, you need enough water. It has to be a wine glass. Well, wine glasses, wine glasses are definitely would definitely work better. I don't know if it has to be. It's just better because I, I'm assuming it's a yeah. lot thinner. I've never done it. It's a lot thinner, else. so I'm assuming maybe it's a little bit easier to get that frequency going. I could mm -hmm. be a little incorrect in that, but at least for how to do it, I mean, it's a really fun thing that anyone can do, and it always teaches you just a little bit about you know how all this stuff works. I wanted to say earlier when we were talking about the Concord, like imagine doing like half a kilometer per second <laughs> like that that's that's very fast i mean it did more it went to more Mach two that? it went to like over really over yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. i'm i'm like i'm like okay i mean i don't want to bank myself on this because again on the spot i haven't actually done this but i believe it reached Mach two i believe it was very fast it was a very very fast plane because how fast i feel like airplanes travel at like well, like 400 kilometers per hour? 700. 700? Like 700 yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I remember this because I, I was in a plane one time going to, oh, this is a funny story. I was, I was going to the washroom. I don't even know how I remember this. I was going to the washroom and then this one plane. When have you ever seen this? The speed. I've never seen the Where? I, I, maybe it's common now, but like this was a very long time ago on, on, on one plane. And I saw like on this huge screen, it was the speed of the plane. And that was 700. And I just, I, I, I can never forget that yeah. sight. No, I think and nowadays it's somewhere around six seven hundred. Nowadays, 
like they say on the screen like in the like i think the, now you can the, see on yeah. all of the navigation yeah, screens yeah. but believe me this was a time when well you 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 couldn't do that oh my god mock 2.04 oh um, that's 2200 kilometers per hour you could go that's from, like three times the speed of today's planes that's that's Listen, you can go New York to London before it's yeah, you you can arrive at London before you left New York. <laughs> if you do the time, like cuz if you account oh. for the time, like that's how it works. Like it's so fast. It's pretty crazy. Doesn't it's, that happen anyways? No, right not now. with a regular plane. No, cuz it would take oh. yeah, no. But anyways, I mean we're definitely getting straight very off topic, but Wait, planes no, no, no. is a good I'll be going the other way. I think it's going the other way. Wait, I think London I to New York. I think it's yeah. London to New York before London. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's earlier in New York. I think I think that's what we or meant. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what we meant. But with planes right now, we are at peak efficiency. We can't we we can't go any better than this. <laughs> the Concorde brings you back in time. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, that would be okay. Anyways, it's a very cool <laughs> thing. Sonic Boom definitely got us really straight off topic, but. Uh, sonic booms are, I mean, still a fundamental thing of waves. And again, all the reason is mm. simply because of the vibration. And we've been talking a lot about sound waves so far. And I mean, we, we can't continue for sure. But a fundamental thing that you mentioned that may have gone under the radar for some people is the fact that sound needs a medium to propagate. Because you said, it need, you know, sound needs air, sound needs water, sound needs something. Because again, what's actually happening is at the end of the day, as we're saying, these are all vibrations. It is vibrating. Things are vibrating. Now, these are, this is a type of wave called the longitudinal wave. Now, there are two types of waves. The other one is transverse, but we're going to talk about this one for a sec. Longitudinal waves are where the molecule, particles, items, objects, whatever is propagating is traveling parallel to the mode of propagation. So in this case, we have sound. So if I am talking to Parker and my voice is going this way, the molecules are also vibrating in the same direction. And those are longitudinal waves. And the whole premise of sound is that it requires a medium to propagate. And that is why, you know, if you say, oh, if you see like the scream in space thing, because at the end of the day, no one would be able to hear you because sound simply cannot travel. It wouldn't have a medium to travel because there are no molecules. So there's, well, that's another story. But <laughs> what I'm trying to say is there's no vibrations happening between you and the other entity to actually get the sound across. Light, on the other hand, is a transverse wave, right? Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's a little opposite. So oh, yeah. this is where your fields are actually traveling perpendicular to the mode of um propagation, propagation. Pro to the mode of propagation so if one is moving well again if you're not seeing the video then you're probably not seeing my gestures here but you can probably think about this if one is if if some if the mode is going in a direction just think about something perpendicular to it and well you i don't think that was that, that was not required at all that was not required at all you guys can picture a perpendicular uh thing yep. anyways the point being light doesn't actually need anything to vibrate. Interestingly enough, there was a big experiment for a long, again, shit, I just noticed this, we do this so often, but the, the experiment for the ether 
for with the Michelson Morley experiment that actually semi discovered interferometers basically started with the premise that or thought the hypothesis that there was an ether that allowed light to propagate because everyone was so uh, used to the fact that waves needed things to propagate that were like, okay, light does too. So Michelson and Morley set out to prove themselves right in a way that they said, hey, there's this propagating material everywhere in the universe called the ether and light is simply traveling through it. Anyways, they did an experiment and it failed. So it basically proved that, hey, there isn't a medium that light requires to prove. And how did they do experiment? Really quick, they basically just tested the speed at which the light traveled in perpendicular directions, right? So if there was an ether, then it would not be traveling at the same speed in perpendicular mm -hmm. directions. So that tells you something about it. And anyways, continuing, it just it just gives a little more uh, a little more emphasis to, you know, where this whole situation is, the difference between sound and light, how they require to propagate, and just really what makes them up. All right, I have something right. crazy. Let's hear it. Okay, so light. Light. Uh, we mentioned the Doppler effect earlier. The same kind of thing happens, but it's very different um, in that the speed of light is constant in all frames, uh, which is very easy to say and kind of hard to wrap your head around. It takes a minute. It took... I mean, now I fully get it. No, now I now get I it. I almost fully get it, but I... Yeah, no, it takes a minute. When you hear it for the first time, it doesn't really make sense, and you don't really understand the consequences of mm -hmm. that right away. Mm -hmm. But, um, essentially, here's one of the consequences. We did mention this before. If you move towards a light source, the speed of the light won't change the only thing that actually changes is the wavelength the mm. wavelength gets Frequency. shorter mm -hmm. uh and so your eyes uh get to see something that or a photon that has higher energy this is also the doppler effect by the way like, no it, yeah, it is both. the doppler yeah. effect doppler effect it, is just with waves in general like it's nothing to do with but sound it, waves. no it's definitely different like it's not it's literally the same thing it's the exact same formula it's like the same thing are you sure yes yeah, because waves are waves, man. I guess waves are waves. Okay. Like if they have a frequency, if they have a if they have a wavelength, okay, if okay, they're, they're waves. Sure. So boom, Doppler effect works the same way yeah. with light. Here's the crazy thing, okay? Back in the day, imagine I've definitely said this before, but imagine being in the 1600s, and you know it's a life or death situation. Somebody says. Measure the speed of light or you're dead. Oh what do my. you do? What do you do? Jesus, bro. That's an ultimatum. What do you do? Have. Like, oh think about God. it. You, you, you don't even have com a computer. You don't even have a camera. Mm. What do you even do? Well, I don't know what year this was done in, <laughs> mm. but it's definitely an insane Wait, experiment. I, I don't even know. Yeah, go ahead. I want to hear this. Okay. And... This was definitely, like, recent, but it was, like, this is just, the, the reason I said, like, in the 1600s was just to put you in that space of, like... No, but wait, it wasn't, didn't Einstein do it for the first time? Like, calculate the rough number? Yeah, but I'm saying there was a, there was an experiment. I don't know if you know it. I don't know if we talked about it in the um, we'll talk astronomy about it episode, but listen, okay. So, somebody said, um, okay, the Earth and Jupiter... 
um, have you know separate orbits, and at some point during the year, or you know whenever it coincides with the orbit of Jupiter, the Earth is going to be moving towards Jupiter, and at a different point when the Earth has time to rotate past Jupiter, it'll be moving away from Jupiter. And so, wait, am I thinking of this wrong? No, you're actually thinking of it exactly right. Okay. No, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, the, the, way, the, way, the way they did it, again, I'm not, okay, I haven't read up on this particular experiment, but I know it does have things to do with the Earth's orbit, Jupiter, and measuring the time that it takes to revolve. I, 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 know, I know those properties are involved, and this was... Um, this was in fact done in the 1600s, 1700s. This, oh my this God! Was, no way! This I, was way before Einstein. Actually, wait. I think. Are you mixing up like two experiments? No, I think I am because now I'm because no, we definitely had a problem set where, um, like Jupiter's moon, wh- where wait, it goes around. I yeah, something like that. yeah. It, like there's Jupiter's moon, and then when the Earth was going towards Jupiter, like the the um, what's it called, like. You know when a no, I know what you mean. No, the, uh, yeah. the yeah, no, no, the, like the yeah, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> I can't I, yeah, think I can't of the say, word. Can't say the word. No, but I know what you mean, though. But oh, we did do a problem like that actually. But I don't know. I mean, that doesn't have anything to. I mean, it's not directly to do with this, but that is how I believe it was something like that done. Because I mean, if you think about it, at that time, you have to understand that people people were light is either two things. Light is either infinite speed or it's just too fast to measure for us which is what we were under the impression of yeah for for like the longest amount of time right i have so, to search this up um but keep I'm just, going no i mean i mean i'm just trying to i'm just trying to think about finding the equation or not finding the equation but finding even the rough speed of, of of light in the day where literally nothing was even thought about or or you're not even thinking about frames of references you're not thinking about what the requirements are or anything like that okay i found the experiment and i was actually right <laughs> yeah Ra- romers did okay, okay cool. okay so what he did is he timed the eclipses of io jupiter's moon jupiter's moon yeah um so he estimated that the light would take 22 minutes to travel the distance equal to the diameter of Earth's orbit around the sun. And this would give light the velocity of around uh, 220,000 kilometers per second, which is... Which is relatively no, close. Which is very, very, very close. That's not bad. One sec, very, I need more very, details very on this. I need more details. Because I remember, learn, like, we did this, I'm pretty sure. I don't think... I mean, no, we, we didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, I, but I know what you mean. It, we did I mean, a very similar question where we were talking about... Um, Jupiter and its transit time and basically trying to simply find the the time it takes for some kind of signal or something like that we were doing in our year. But again, I mean, it's really impressive that these individuals even tried to find something like this. This is what happened. Year. I remember. So when the Earth is moving towards Jupiter, yeah, um, the time that the moon was eclipsed, mm-hmm. it took less time for the moon to... to to eclipse wait is it the moon that eclipses yeah 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 because the moon yeah yeah yeah, yeah. this is a, <laughs> this is definitely this a, is such a funny episode man because no, because this is actually like an insane experiment yeah yeah, yeah. i mean 1600s you discover the speed of light no, like what seriously um 
so basically when the, when the earth was going towards jupiter it took longer for the moon to go across than when the earth was moving away and so what he did is he calculated the difference between the times and some he just did some crazy math some crazy math wait he ca- oh what that's crazy that's pretty next level okay that's very impressive um again a lot of this was probably starting like with trigonometry like if you think about it a lot of it was probably starting simply with triangles and different geometric shapes, just trying to understand the angles between all these things. And then I'm assuming estimating the speed from there. Because I'm, what I'm assuming is all of this was compared to Earth's orbit or something like that. Like it was compared to something that we were already relatively sure of. And then we got this approximate speed of light. Because again, I mean, 220 relative to 299, which is the actual speed, is very, very, very close, especially in the 1700s. I mean, like, in terms of, like, producing an answer? Yeah, I mean... Very, like, who are they... <laughs> but who, who even thinks about it? Like, yeah. you're not... Like, you light... I mean, the 1600s, like, what you, you light fire. You're not really... I mean, I don't even understand the thought process that goes into thinking, hey, what speed does this travel at okay crazy moment no, 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 okay, okay okay what i said was right but here's here's what 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 actually goes down okay Let's hear it. so they knew obviously they knew like at that time it was like galileo's time he was going off with astronomy and all that stuff and his his new telescopes and mm-hmm. all that stuff mm-hmm. so they figured out the timings of the eclipses of io so they knew when it should happen okay Okay. Okay. So what happened was that when the Earth was moving towards Jupiter, the the um the eclipse happened. It says about nine minutes early. And when the Earth was moving away, the eclipse happened nine minutes late. So they knew that the, they knew the time difference between. between between what actually should have happened, and so. They were able they to calculate it from there. That's just like trigonometry from there. Or something yeah, if like you that. know the distances, I'm assuming they knew some kind of distances between these planets, or at least no, yeah, you, estimations. You know, you know the distance, and uh, you know, you know the difference between when it should have came and when it didn't, and when it did come. And, anyways, man, that's what super it, cool. no, that is an ins- imagine using oh imagine imagine using Jupiter, and the timing of the eclipses and the knowledge that the earth has some kind of orbit and jupiter has a different kind of orbit and they have a relative distance between each other to calculate the speed of light that's some next level stuff <laughs> like seriously man like to even think of something like that no though. i know <laughs> like how <laughs> like how Jeez. wow no, I mean they're just I'm some. Blown away. They're they're just some people, you know. I mean they just clearly just they just, just think differently, man. No, they 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 understand. This was Huygens, something. right? Like Huygens was a part of it, was he not? No, I don't think so. Oh, uh, no. actually, let's. Uh, no. Kristen Huygens. It was right the there. same period. Oh, same period as Kristen Huygens. Yeah. Well, different different places. Different places. Oh, different numbers. I'm assuming too. That's. Wow, that's uh, definitely an impressive experiment that he performed there. Again, just showing you a little bit more about the fact that, hey, nothing is infinite. Nothing is infinite. Now, the interesting thing about light, as you were talking about, you know, with the whole reference frame thing is 
Einstein basically, I'm a, again, don't know the exactness of this particular story, but the, but the idea was that, hey, there's this, is there's this speed at which nothing can travel faster. So the whole basis of special relativity was written, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I just thought about Einstein and light. But the whole basis of special relativity is basically the fact that light is constant wherever and however you're looking at it. So if you ever get faster, light's not getting slower with respect to you. Time is simply changing, and that's the way he did it in this case. And it's the way that we think about the universe, and we believe the universe works, right? Be has having this one speed that basically trumps all. And again, with this speed coming coming back a little bit to the Doppler effect again, the fact that the speed is always remaining the same, right? And with light, it is even though it is called a Doppler effect, it's a little bit different. So when a, when anything is moving away from you uh, with light, with respect to light, you call that a red shift. And when anything is ever moving close to you, you call that a blue shift. And obviously, most notably, you don't really see this ever in daily world because, uh, you know, you don't really have those speeds, or, I mean, those distances or the frequencies. But when we're talking about galaxies, for example, the whole premise of the Big Bang literally started when Hubble noticed that so, or, or, well, I mean, it wasn't Hubble that started it, but like it became big during that time when they noticed that all a lot of these galaxies are red and they're actually moving away from us. So if they're moving away from us, well, they had, and then you can just backtrack it in the Big Bang. But the whole idea came from the fact that the that light was redshifted. So again, what actually is simply happening is you're just taking that wave and you're simply stretching it if they're moving away. And if they're coming closer, you're just compressing it in a very similar fashion. So just like a little, another similarity between sound and light where you can see a little bit of them, right? One more, th I, want, I want to talk about sound a little bit more because I know you were okay. talking about like, because uh, you said I wanted to talk about something and then I just skipped over it because I wanted to, anyways. Yeah. What makes, or just a little more about sound in general, right? So we were talking about like resonant frequencies, stuff like that. And I was doing a little research just on sound today. And again, like I, even I'm new to a lot of this stuff, really interested in learning more. But basically just a fundamental or not, but the basic thought of, hey, there are keys, right? There are certain keys that we can sing, that uh, instruments can play and stuff like that. And the question is, if it's the same key, now when we say key, we're talking about frequency, right? Because we're talking about pitch. So when we're saying pitch... Isn't that just a note? Well, yeah. I think a key is different. Key. Like... Oh, is that not what I'm... Like a key is like... Like if you play in the key of A... Oh, no, sorry. Different. I meant note. I apologize. I meant note. I meant like a singular note that you play is simply the question of frequency. Now, my guitar string can pluck at that frequency. A piano can also pluck at that same frequency but they sound so different. And the, the basis of this sounding different is in physics called timber. Ooh. And that is basically, I, I don't want to go too deep into it because me, myself, I'm not very aware of it, but I did read up on it and it can definitely be a little hard to explain, especially on a podcast because it does get very mathematical. Because, um, but I could, anyways, that could probably be an, 
a new thing. But the basic idea is that timber is this physical property of every single thing. Every object okay. that has a natural frequency has some property of timber. And that property is it basically it kind of revolves around various sub properties. And those are again, again, as I mentioned, I don't want to go too deep into it, but basically it categorizes into, well, how do the resonant frequencies match up with each other as you go higher? And then it also talks about the vibration patterns. That means how do each instrument, how does each instrument vibrate? Because even though they're making the same, they're having the same frequency, they still have different vibration patterns. And that's actually a little term known as vibrato, which is a very common musical term that actually a lot of my friends know. But again, I'm a little unaware of that I was researching into today. So really cool stuff when it comes to simply asking the question, why do two, why do the, why does the same note on two separate instruments sound completely different? Right. And just in just well, not completely, but you know what I mean when I say they sound different. Right. So just a little bit, again, differentiating in terms of just properties that we can apply to these waves and just deducing more facts about them. Right. Because they just, again, just give us more information about them and we can just deduce stuff from there. Hmm. Do we want to talk 100%. about quantum? Yeah, we can. We can a little bit. Talk a little bit I about think, okay. quantum. The, there's a lot of things especially on a podcast where you just have to be like, just take this as a fact because <laughs> we can't really like show yeah. slash explain to the extent um, that we would if we had like a whiteboard oh. or if we made a YouTube video with, you know, graphics cool. and anyways. Yeah. Oh, not, yeah. um, so everything has a probability amplitude called the wave function. Um, well, every, everything has a wave function, yeah. which the mod squared don't even, That's, don't even I, focus. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's stupid to say don't that. Don't even focus on I just that. had to, because it's not the same, but anyways. Let's say, okay, wave function. Let's think about that. Um. God, there's so much to say. Yeah, no, there are, there is, but like, just talk about. A little, I mean, we can talk about a little in terms of like the just the wave part. <laughs> like, why is it? Why is this wave function so important in terms of just waves? Like, what what can it tell us about the properties of said wave that we don't get from the wave equation, for example? Well, here's a good idea. So, um, God, I don't know where to start, but let's just start. Let's just start. Okay, so everything has a wave function, which let's say uh, we live in a one-dimensional world, um, and this wave function is just a function of position. We don't have to focus about time. Let's say at one instance, the wave function tells you essentially how probable, let's say, this atom is um, to be in that position. It's just a function of x, right? And like it's it <laughs> that is in essence in what e the wave function yeah. is. It no, no, tells no. you a pro well not not directly, but when you square it, it it helps you deduce a probability about a certain particle or a certain system in a certain space. Yeah, but in a the, certain field. The interesting thing about 
about the wave function is that it literally applies to every single thing that is in our physical universe. The reason why, and I actually learned this in my lecture today. Well, there are a lot of examples, but when you study quantum mechanics, the biggest thing, you know, if quantum mechanics was not um, consistent with classical mechanics, then we'd have a big problem. Big problem. Because quantum mechanics is supposed to encapsulate mm. classical mechanics, right? But now, here's here's one thing, an example of how um, of how quantum mechanics is in fact uh, consistent with classical mechanics. So let's say we have um, just an infinite well, and the way you can imagine this is that you have this this uh, this interval of space that it just has zero energy, and then at two, there's like two walls of just infinite energy. And so your, your, your particle is just bound in between these two walls. And we call that the infinite well uh, potential. Infinite is potential well. Infinite potential yeah. well, yeah. Um, okay, and so there are these, these bound states, these allowable states due to the nature of the, of, of the wave function and the physical interpretation, which is actually very important because if there was no tie to the physical world, then a lot of these rules that you apply to the wave function in these specific cases, um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have any reason to apply them. And then there, mm -hmm. like it, it wouldn't even make sense. Did we you? can no, no. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, we can take this and we can then generalize it later on, which is a big advantage. I was just thinking, talking about potential wells. We didn't talk about standing waves, man. Oh, we didn't talk Literally about standing, standing waves. waves. It's such a fundamental. I mean, we can definitely give a, a give a little. Can we? I think. That, yeah. No. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I, no, I, no. Yeah. Let, let's just continue a okay, little let, bit. Let's with, continue with a little bit on the wave function. Yeah. Okay. Um. Where was I at? Oh yeah. You so, were at infinite well. Yes. Oh man, it would have been so states. nice if yeah, we were talking about, standing, about that's standing what I'm saying. Waves. That's what I'm saying. Oh, standing man. waves is literally a fundamental part of understanding bound states. Like why is it bound? Yeah. Because these are standing waves. Yeah. So oh, shit. Anyways, okay, I'm just gonna skip to the point. Yeah. So let's hear it. the point is that these these different bound states have different energy levels tied to them. Okay. And so if you imagine uh, like you literally have a box and you have like a bowling ball in it that bowling ball you would expect right in the classical world that it can have any energy level mm -hmm. right in terms of kinetic energy and obviously um we'll, we'll assume that the walls of the box are infinitely strong mm -hmm. and so Very as as the bowling ball is rolling across the box it can have any kinetic energy right mm. but when you look at this particle in this infinite potential well, which is, you know, represented by this box with uh, very strong walls, um, there are only certain discrete energy levels that it can occupy. What is actually interesting is that the energy level is inversely proportional to the mass of the particle. So... If you increase the mass of the particle, what happens is that the energy levels get um, smaller and smaller, right? Because it's inversely mm. proportional. Mm. And the difference between the energy, uh, like the bound states, gets so unnoticeably small 
that it seems to be a continuous um like like a I'm trying like to say a continuous like, like not not discrete states like like a continuous cuz cuz the the distance between the energy levels get so small as you increase the mass like a bowling ball for example you increase the mass to something so you just see the continuous it, instead of like, the discrete levels like quantum mechanically there are still bound states mm. and the bowling ball is still occupying these bound states of energy but it's just the difference between the energy levels are so small that it just seems to be just continuously occupying any energy level that it wants to. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, this is not connected to waves whatsoever. Yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> I was trying to see that point. I'm like, where is the final point where? It, I just thought that was cool. I was think that cool? Fun, no, it, it definitely. But a fundamental thing about everything you were mentioning here, which is the point that I thought you would bring up at the end, but you just stopped, is well, every wave fundamentally has energy, and there's a relationship between said wave and energy. Right? I just like quantum mechanics. I know quantum. <laughs> I don't blame you for that. I mean, it's definitely. One of the best. Oh, part three, quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics part, part three. three. That might have no way. Part four. We did part no, three with uh, Steinberg. Is that, that part three? I guess. Okay. I mean, do, kind of. Let's see. Let's see. But what's my train of thought? What was I talking? What was I saying? Standing waves. No, I mean standing. We want to get into that. Oh, maybe it's too late. <laughs> I mean, I just because. Okay, but again, a fundamental thing with the wave function is that, well, I mean, the reason waves and wave functions are connected, well, is because, again, the wave equation is a nice way to think about what the actual wave is doing, and that's talking about the wave itself. The wave function, however, is not talking about the wave. Instead, it's talking about the object it's related to, or like a particle, like a a system, yeah. a person, wave function of a person. You can you can have that too. Like it's just a very thin probability graph because I'm right <laughs> here. But I'm, <laughs> but I'm saying that the wave function is very useful in simply understanding the relationship between the object and why it's waving and where it's waving. You know, it is a little different definition of a wave, obviously. Again, it's all just in the concise wave group, but it's very different. It's not, it's not a wave at all. So, you know, when I was saying that, oh, all waves require two fields, this is not that. This is a purely ma- mathematical wave. So, this is like another example to a wave, uh, a non-physical oh, wave. I do have an idea to connect what I said to waves. Definitely connect it, please. Okay. So, the general wave function, every single wave function can be written in this format, okay? And this actually ties to Fourier transforms. But it's, it's an integral because um, it's a superposition, essentially. Um, if you want to create any wave, as we stated in the beginning of the podcast, if you want to create any wave, you can start with just sine waves and superpose different sine waves of different frequencies and wavelengths. And as you add them together, the shape will change and you can get some crazy looking wave. Mm-hmm. Well, um, this isn't really relevant, but all wave functions are have to be normalizable. And so you could kind of imagine that it can't blow up to infinity, right? There has to be some like decrease, mm-hmm. like asymptote, asymptotal. Mm-hmm. As, asymptotic behavior. Yeah, exactly. It has to be, yeah. Um, Again, normalizable. Real quick for those 
Uh, probability, again, it's a probability graph at the end of the day because you're squaring it, so it has to be equal to one. So normalizable, yeah. just fancy term for saying integral has to be equal to one. Yeah. yeah. And so the general form of this wave function is, so it's an integral because you're adding these infinitesimally, whatever. You get what an integral is. Integral. You know what an integral is and by now. Come on. So you have, you're adding up these plane waves, which you can just, for simplicity think of it as like sine waves mm. um and mm -hmm. each sine wave has a different um k vector which has to do with the it has to do with the wavelength okay yeah, yeah, yeah. it has to do with the wavelength yeah. and you multiply that plane wave by a function it's called just g of k because it depends on the on the on the the wave vector mm -hmm. because obviously the wave vector is tied to the frequency of the wave and so the g function that you multiply the plane wave by is actually the distribution of the um, frequencies. D to be to be simple, it's a distribution of the frequencies. And so imagine the the weight g is like the weight. Yeah, that makes sense. No, and, that makes sense. And you like multiply yeah. and and for each value of k, which is a which is assigned to a frequency, yeah. it gets a weight to yeah. like the amplitude so the heavier, gets weighted the heavier, yeah. and so if you Sorry. want more long uh long wavelength you then, then your function g function is yeah. higher on the you sense. know what i mean that makes sense um and what you do is you integrate over a certain space of k vectors and then you're just adding you're doing a, a continuous superposition of plane waves and um we saw this in first year, but we definitely need images for this. But as you add more and more um, superpositions, you can essentially get a single wave packet. Um, if you add like two waves together, then you get some constructive, some destructive interference. The more and more waves that you add that have different um, like wavelengths, the more the, the, the destructive um interference just eliminates um like everything apart from mm, the center yeah i know what you mean I, okay i think i was a little okay I'm, i totally know what you mean yeah, yeah. you're basically it's, continuously adding them till all of them disappear exactly and so that's why it has to be an integral because it has yeah. to be a continuous addition so that when you're describing an actual particle mm. if you're you know if it's a discrete sum then there'll be some wave packet very far out there will <laughs> and that's just not tied to physical reality. So mm. the general wave function has to be a continuous sum to just eradicate those wave packets. And you, you're left with an actual physical description of like a, the position of a particle. Damn, damn. That was, a, that was definitely a relationship between waves and, wave and the wave function. So that was at least we capped out our quantum mechanics. Uh, talk because that was that was very open-ended the way we were yeah. leaving it for sure <laughs> at least we got that um if there's anything i have to leave you guys with is just read up on standing waves because i feel so <laughs> terrible because because oh man not i mean we can try to like doesn't have to be a wave part two but it could be something no, where we course. talk about harmonics and stuff yeah maybe we can have a okay that's actually not a bad idea we can have like a specially harmonics and oscillation episode like we can just it's kind talk of about, the same as no, waves. 
I mean, oscillations and yeah, valid. different from waves. No, but valid. oscillations we can talk about like pendulums and oh, yeah. you know just sure. different stuff like that. I don't know. We can think about that later. Anyways. But uh, maybe we can add standing waves into that. But yeah, I would recommend. I mean, it's it's the fundamental idea is the same as a wave. It's just that it is definitely a little bit different, just the way it's defined and stuff like that. And that's also very fundamental to understanding a little bit more of that infinite box, infinite potential well example that you were giving. Cause that's just, it's just very, it's just how, you know, it's kind of done. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that was it. That was just where waves are seen. I think we kind of went over a lot of the general waves, light and sound are the two most. Yeah. I don't think there's anything other example I can think of, uh, two most common waves in reality. And we always want to know more about them. We found out some pretty cool facts in the 1600s. Yeah. I think in this episode, that was, that was, that was epic. That was, that was so that was cool, man. Hundred percent. Finding that 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 must have really been something to even do that, to even attempt that. But I mean, here we are, and yeah, I think, I think that caps it off. Yeah, I think that caps it All off. All right. So if you're listening to the podcast right now, go hit the follow button come on youtube come see our faces yeah and uh hit the subscribe button the like button make sure to leave a comment if you want to be comment of the week let's we we actually recently we actually hit 500 followers in a week 500 new followers on spotify in a week we we did that which means that a week from now we could be at 15k (sighs) crazy i know i know so don't forget to hit the hit the follow button. Um, anything else? That's it. This has I mean, been. Uh, this is great. YouTube. Go to Instagram, math.physics.podcast. If you ever want to email us any questions, any recommendations about episodes, I mean, now you can see we're even reading comments from the email section because some of go. them are really nice. So definitely hit us up there. We love your recommendations. Just last episode, we did a recommendation, and he loved it. Saw that comment, by the way. And uh, so yeah, I mean, just keep it coming. We're here for you guys. So let us know. All right. This has been episode number 79 of the Math and Physics podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we will see you soon. Bye, guys. All right.